If there's one thing that this year's trade deadline is missing, it's a lot of notable trades. And a big reason for that is the current playing field. The standings are very, very tight, no matter which division you look at. Even the Rangers, owners of the biggest rental piece in this year's free uh, trade deadline class, I guess, Chris Kreider, they have over 30 wins banked already, and they're still in the playoff hunt. Uh, there are also some teams in playoff positions that may have to make a deal because their depth is suffering due to injuries. So today we talk about a few of these teams, what they're dealing with, and what they could do by Monday. Episode 207 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, today we're going to talk about injuries that could impact trade deadline plans, Brett. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of teams in particular. I think it's kind of crazy because I, f- I feel like right now there's been more injuries now than I think ever before. I thought I thought I saw the stat that like it's it's setting like it's a record breaking stat now that there are more injuries than um, in seasons past um, and usually there's a lot of injuries but not all at once like this um, but yeah anyways we have about a couple teams right now that we're gonna talk about that are impacted the most um, based off of all these injuries so we're gonna talk about Col- Colorado um, they have a few injuries here Edmonton. St. Louis, Vancouver, Columbus, and Toronto as well. And we're also going to include, because the trade deadline's in a week, um, we're going to, or no, not a week, it's on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, uh, we're going to start wondering what what these, uh, these um, teams are going to do because of the trade deadline, if they're even going to make the playoffs. Because all the all these teams that we're about to talk about are either definitely in the playoffs right now, um, on the verge of making the playoffs, um, and all that stuff. But um, mm-hmm. so it definitely hurts uh, them right now. So um, of course there's de- the, like teams like Vancouver um, and St. Louis have already made some trades to uh counteract what the the what they've lost but you know maybe uh i have a feeling we'll see other trades um because of these injuries to key guys um tomorrow well when this is posted um today when you hear it um Mm -hmm. if not already um, I guess I should mention that Andre Cache got traded to my Boston Bruins um, before we get into anything. Um, we will talk about the Tyler Toffoli trade when we talk about Vancouver. Um, Alex Martinez goes to Va- uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and I think, oh, and uh, Marco Scandella is going to the Blues. Um, but we'll talk, oh, and Dylan DeMello is going to Winnipeg. Um, so yeah, we'll talk, I mean, more about the Scandella 
trade and the uh, Toffoli trade when we talk about those teams, but um, but yeah, I felt like I should mention that, and I guess next week we're going to review all the trades that have been made uh, since yeah. then. But I uh, just thought I would get that out in the open to start everything going. All right, so uh, let's start with Colorado because they have injuries to two very key guys. I mean, I guess three very key guys here. Um, in uh, Miko Rantanen, uh, uh, Nazem Kadri, and Philip Grubauer. Um, so the good news, well, first off, uh, so Philip, uh, so Mika Rantanen, uh, he was tripped by Eric Chernak. Um, it looked really, really gruesome. Um, but it turns out that he had like a collarbone injury. And if you know anything about collarbone injuries or like a history of it, they're, they take a while to actually recover from it. Um, but luckily, um, it seems that, uh, according to Adrian Dater, who's a beat writer for the Avalanche, he's saying that Rantanen had no broken bones, but they're still giving us a timetable that Mika Rantanen will be out six to eight weeks. So that would be roughly in the playoffs at that time. Um, the good news for Colorado is, of course, it hurts that, you know, you don't have Mika Rantanen, but... Um, it seems like Andre Burakovsky has uh, had a breakout year. Um, he has, uh, sorry, 45 points in 57 games. So he can kind of like sneak right into the Nathan McKinnon and uh, Landeskog line, um, as well as uh, what's his face, Valerie Nachushkin. Um, he's kind of also breaking out too. Um, so they've kind of, they've done pretty well without him. Um, they also lost Nazem uh, Kadri, and it's presumed to be a leg injury, uh, but he injured that uh, like at the start of February, February 9th to be exact. Um, it says here it's a lower body, but we're assuming it's a leg injury um, just because of how it looked. They say that he, he's week to week. Um, he could be back soon. We'll never, we don't really know. Um, and then on the other side of things um and then lastly we have here that philip grubauer um he also has a lower body injury um he's been dealing with injuries throughout this entire year it feels like um but he's out indefinitely um and the good news with that is um they still have some players that are gonna that can replace it uh because pavel Frankus has been uh pretty good actually uh, he has a 926 save percentage and a 2.33 GAA. Uh, Steve was just telling me that he they recently just re-signed him to a two-year deal. So um, to the point where, I mean, maybe Frank Coos could steal the job. We'll see. It's kind of like in the makings of a Jordan Bennington stuff. So uh, before I get into what the Avalanche will do um for the trade deadline, uh, what are your thoughts on all these injuries I just mentioned? Well, uh, the Avs situation is pretty unique when you consider they're in the league's top five and yep. goals scored and top ten in the standings with 77 points, three back of St. Louis for top spot in the, the Central Division. Their power play is somehow in the bottom ten at less than 19%. 
Their penalty kill is also below 80%, putting them middle of the pack uh, compared to the rest of the league. Um, and like you said, there have been even other injuries uh, spread out through the course of the year. If you remember, Gabriel Landeskog missed some time earlier in the season. Andre Burakovsky yeah. missed some time earlier in the season. Poor Miko Rantanen uh, went through a multi-week injury prior to this one, so he's had a rough year. And yet he's uh, still managed to score at a point-per-game pace. He has uh, 41 points, I believe, in uh, 42 games this year and um, is still a a top-line power play threat when he's healthy. Uh, So that kind of hurts Colorado there. Um, From a depth standpoint, Nazem Kadri being injured also hurts the Avalanche when you consider that he's uh, second – on the team in shots with 133 um well behind nathan mckinnon but still if you're talking about depth cadre has certainly brought it this year and something that the as really lacked last year um they don't lack it um at the moment uh so so i guess cadre's a loss um i i guess it it kind of hurts but not as much as ranton um, in terms of Grubauer, fortunately, they've been able to get by, like you said, because Francis has been very good. Um, whenever Grubauer hasn't been in the net, Francis has answered the bell. It's going to be interesting uh, how Colorado approaches the deadline because they have two good goalies, but uh, there there could be some there could be some big fish out there. Maybe they could target if they feel like they need an upgrading goal, um, but if they choose not to go down that route and they feel comfortable with their tandem, Francis is going to have to step it up here. Yeah, and it seems like he already has, so that's that's the good news. And I and I feel like it's tough like now to frame it to the trade deadline. Um, I don't think they're – usually goalies aren't traded so much in the uh, – just before the deadline, so they're kind of – they kind of are forced to stick with Francouz for the time being, but like that's he's been phenomenal so far, so it's kind of a good thing that you know it's not like a bad thing now. I think they can rely on Francouz uh, for the moment um, and all that stuff, but I do wonder if maybe they try to get a center because uh, I remember that's why um, they even went and got Kadri over the off season or you know the off season. Um, and it seems like uh, maybe they can try to uh, help that depth, especially now that Burakovsky has been um, really good lately um, and stuff. So uh, just the players that come to mind, or I'm looking at the rental list of guys who are centers and stuff. Um, John Gabriel Peugeot is one of them, although, of course, that he's going to cost a lot. Um, Athanasio would be interesting as well. Um, Carl Soderberg, Granlund is another one. And then probably an interesting one, uh, just because the, uh, Avalanche did a similar thing to, uh, Ray Bork back in the day, but they could try and go out and get Joe Thornton. Um, although making him a second line center now, um, might not be the greatest idea, but, uh, they, they need some death pieces, so I'm just thinking in terms of getting guys that can help them right now who are centers, uh, those like Peugeot, Athanasiu, 
and Grandland seem to be the top three that I could see. Um, also, a thing with Colorado is is that they have a plethora of prospects. They have a lot of cap space. Um, so I've been hearing like Connor Timmins could be thrown out so they can like, because they have Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr, they can afford to trade away a couple of their prospects. Um, Shane Bowers is another one who they could throw out um, and they can like take on some team, you know, some teams like LTIR player or something like that. Um, just, just to add, give more added incentives and stuff. Um, but yeah, so who do you think the Avalanche will try to get, or what are your predictions for them? Well, like you said, they have prospects and they have cap space. Um, yeah. That's two major check marks under uh, Joe Sackick's uh, checklist, which is awesome for Colorado. Might as well keep the Matt Duchesne trade tree going if you trade Shane Bowers oh, because he was part of the return. So it'd be interesting if he that'll got the, moved. That'll be uh, the same you're, thing you're, if you're trade if you're trading for Peugeot. They'll they have history with. <laughs> yeah, we just get Senators. Shane Bowers back for Peugeot. Yeah, that'd be kind of funny yeah. actually. Well, welcome yeah. back to Auto Shane. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, it, this is interesting because the Colorado Avalanche. You're right; they do have. A good defensive prospect in Connor Timmins. No way they trade Byram. No way they trade Kale McCarr with the year that he's having. Um, so in that respect, Connor yeah, Timmins trading. does become expendable. Uh, he definitely is the most expendable defenseman out of the three. Uh, if they were to make a big move like this, uh, and honestly, Colorado is, has some options. Um, I definitely think they look for depth scoring, but down the middle, it's tough to say. They were in the hunt, uh, apparently, for uh, Chris Kreider. Yep, that's and, a good one. And uh, Adrian Dater says, if that plan falls through, they could be in play for Thomas Tatar, who oh, uh, has kind of revitalized his career in Montreal. That'd be an interesting get. Uh, if they're looking more for depth down the middle, you're right, Pajot could be an interesting name thrown out there. Um, there's also, if you take a look at their defensive depth, um, maybe they dangle Nikita Zadorov to get uh, some depth up mm. forward, like, say, for someone like Mike Hoffman, the Panthers have said they would like someone to play alongside Ekblad um, or just defensive help in general. So um, maybe Colorado can help fill their need in that regard. I also think, and this is probably the most far-fetched scenario, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they went after Robin Leonard. And I say that because Chicago probably at some point is going to wise up and say, okay, we should probably go in rebuild mode mm. right now. Uh, just not working out. Leonard could get us uh, quite the package. Uh, Colorado has a lot of interesting prospects. Right. Leonard could put Colorado over the top if he came on board, and I think it would be a fascinating playoff run yeah. uh, with him helm. So, I, I keep a close eye on Robin Leonard. It's uh, again probably the unlikeliest scenario out of the ones that I just mentioned, but it wouldn't surprise me if he went to Colorado. Yeah, I guess Robin Leonard would be interesting, and yeah, you're right. I I, I don't think he'll be traded just because Frank Coos has been pretty good. Um, without, you know, 
doing that, and so I don't know if they necessarily need to get another goalie because Francouz has been able to uh, be as good. Um, but yeah, so I could see something like that. Another player that I, as I'm just looking on the cap friendly page here, but um, it would be interesting to see if uh, Max Domi, um, he would be an interesting one. He's going to be an RFA. Yeah, I've heard his name year. thrown out in about. But yeah. like he can play both center and wing as well. So he'd be an interesting uh, depth piece for them um, if they so choose. I know he hasn't been as good as advertised but i i feel like with a more a better supporting cast he could probably um do well in colorado well he, um, he quietly yeah. put up 17 points in montreal last year You're right 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 but that's kind of my point yeah he could uh he could even sell even more um and yeah but um yeah i would be hesitant to trade for a goalie especially uh, with Frank Hughes playing so well, I mean, obviously, like Frank Hughes, you know, goalies are so inconsistent, um, so you never really know. But um, I mean, if you take anything from last season, like Jordan Bennington went on a run. I mean, Frank Hughes. I don't want to compare Frank Hughes to Bennington, but I'm gonna compare Frank Hughes to Bennington here. Um, I could see it happening where Frank Hughes all of a sudden. Um, like goes on a run and um and all of a sudden he's the starting goaltender uh next year because he won the avalanche the cup so i could see that happening um all right let's go to edmonton oh uh, i i think colorado is firmly in the playoffs so we don't even have to ask this question yeah i i think they're gonna make it in the playoffs yeah. you know they've they've overcome all these injuries yeah. um they'll overcome this next wave right. they'll probably add a big a big piece to their playoff yeah. run they'll be in the hunt for sure yeah i mean some of these teams that we're going to talk about it's a little bit of a question mark but uh, for Colorado, it's not so much. Even yeah, in a, it's, in a tough it's the closest thing to a sure bet, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I will say is that it's a, it's in a tough division, but even yeah. still, it's like the teams that are behind them are Dallas and Winnipeg and Nashville, and all three of those teams have their own issues um, on their own. So I don't think they'll they'll be able to um, they'll drop that far. Um, from what they're doing, and, and also, and, and, and yeah, they sorry. also don't have Nathan McKinnon either. Right, right, right. Well, I, I thought you meant that the Avalanche all of a sudden don't have Nathan. No, McKinnon. no, no. I mean, the, <laughs> the team's trying to catch up to Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. have an elite player like and, McKinnon. And Gabriel Andeskog, and um, as I mentioned, like Burakovsky's been really good. And I mean, well, he's, their se- yeah. he's their second best scorer on the team I know. right now. Um, you know, I think that's been the big knock on the Avalanche like the past couple of years is that it's always been those big three. But Burakovsky has been able to uh, play well without those helps of those three players. So, um, yeah, so I think they do have someone as well. All right, let's go to Edmonton. Speaking of that, <laughs> their biggest... Uh, so we're going to start off with, uh, I guess I'll we'll talk about the injuries because they're doing a similar thing because they're winning even without their best player. And obviously I'm talking about Connor McDavid. Um, he has a quad injury. He was injured last uh, week. 
um, and he's day-to-day. Uh, however, so it says here that he's expected to be out two to three weeks, um, and he was injured last week, so he's probably going to be back next week. Um, so it's not as serious. And he also uh, went on the ice um, earlier today. So we're recording on Saturday. So uh, so he should be back pretty soon. Um, other players that, um, key players that Edmonton has here is Oscar Clefbaum. He has a shoulder injury. He's going to be week to week. He's been, he has, he's had a, a, um, a bounce back season as well. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of sad that he's getting injured. Um, so he's has a shoulder injury and then you have James Neal who has a foot injury. He's day to day. Although I believe, uh, just let me double check here. Um, yeah, uh, James, oh no, James Neal was injured last week as well. I thought he was injured, uh, like two weeks ago, but no. Um, but the thing with Edmonton is, is they have this guy named uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who's uh, who's arguably been better than McDavid when McDavid's been healthy, which is crazy thing to say. Um, and also, they called up this guy, Kaylor uh, Yamamoto, um, who I've been a big fan since they drafted him, but they keep on calling him up, and then, you know, the past couple of years, it seemed like he wasn't going to mount to much, and then they call him up this time, and all of a sudden, he's... Um, in his 20 games that he's played this year, he has um, 9 goals and 11 assists, so that's 20 points. So 20 points in 20 games. Um, it also, of course, helps that he's on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So if anything, it um, you know the, the Oilers know how to pick in the first round, um, clearly, so he's another one of those players. Um, Oscar Clefbon sure does hurt them, though. Uh, he's been a valuable player for them, of course. But um, again, they have Darnell Nurse um, to take the load off because he was, you know, Darnell Nurse was better than Clefbon was last year. Um, so he could uh, kind of take over now that he has more responsibility there. Uh, James Neal was slowing down a bit um, from his hot start. Um, this season, but um, I feel like with the inclusion of two superstars and Drysdale McDavid, two supporting guys with the Yamamoto and uh, Nugent Hopkins, they don't necessarily need um, so many depth guys. But of course, you know James Neal uh, having James Neal back uh, won't hurt them that longer. So yeah, bef- again, before we talk about uh, what they're going to do in the trade deadline, uh, what do you think of? these guys and and um and their injuries well i remember a time earlier in the season when Connor mcdavid was again Connor mcdavid one of the most electrifying hockey players that ever put on a pair of skates and in the middle of all that leon dry sales plus minus wasn't looking too good he his per- overall performance is two-way performance it was lacking in certain areas and He's uh, closing in on 100 points very, very fast, and it, his second half has been tremendous. So, uh, tip of the hat to Seidel for um, 
kind of running his own line because that was even the knock on dry saddles like oh you know this guy's a benefactor mcdavid he can't even run his own line and not only has yamamoto been good but ryan nugent hawkins is playing yep. some of his best hockey too he's been great um it the tough thing with clef and, and mcdavid being out is their impact on special teams you look at um clef he has 18 power play points over 220 power play minutes uh, one of four Oilers with at least 70 power play shots, McDavid being another one of them. And uh, he's also logged over 200 power play minutes um, this season as well. And, you know, brings his game-changing speed along with him. So in various aspects, um, they lose a lot on special teams with the absence of Clefbaum, with the absence of McDavid, even with the absence of James Neal. He has uh, 31 power play shots this season. 11 of them have gone in the back of the net. So um, I think from a special team standpoint, that is where the Oilers stand to hurt the most. Even then, they're top three in both power play and penalty kills. So it doesn't seem to affect them a whole lot, at least not right now. Uh, So given all that's happened, Edmonton is looking pretty good. They're getting by without Connor McDavid and I think the biggest thing is they're also getting the goaltending too yeah. Mike Smith, uh, Miko Koskinen both have delivered, especially Mike Smith uh, in the past uh, 10 or 15 starts he's uh, gotten results for them Yeah, he's been he's been good there in goal as well um, but yeah, it's funny too because you look at the points leader Leon Dreisaitl is, is killing it in points he has 97 points in 61 games. The next closest is David Pasternak, who has 86 points um, in 62 games. So he's yeah. he might even get the Hart Trophy. Um, <laughs> it's not even Conor McDavid. So this is, it's like funny, too, because the narrative for Edmonton all these years is that it's been just McDavid carrying the team on his back. But now you know they have another guy who um, who's even playing even better than McDavid has been. So... Um, it's kind of like turning into a Crosby Malkin type situation there, it seems. Um, but having said all that, like I'm looking here at the the uh, Edmonton Oilers lines here. So yeah, the Leon Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto line has been phenomenal. But then their second line is Riley Sheehan, Tyler Benson, and Josh Archibald. Um, yeah. They and they can't really afford. Uh, to even have any trades going on because they have $600,000 left in cap space right now. They're up to the cap because they did pay McDavid a lot of money and Leon Dreisaitl a lot of money as well. So they're kind of um, they're kind of in a bind now because it's not like they can go out and get players or have the luxury that Colorado has um, in getting guys. So um, I feel like they have to be kind of smart and try to get players um, kind of like an Andre Cache situation where they can try to see, um, you know, take some players that would be a bargain to get. Um, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, good player that they could target, but I'm, I can't even find them right now. So Ilya Kovalchuk? Kovalchuk, yeah, that would be a good one. 
Um, do you have any other players? I guess I'll, I'll give you um, the mic here. I would I would say another one would be Tyler Ennis of the Ottawa Senators. Doesn't even cost a million dollars. You'd be a good you'd be a good addition to their depth as well. Um, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Um, yeah, any other? I, I was gonna say Thomas Tatar, but I doubt he would be worth it. <laughs> if you're looking for cheap bargains, probably anybody on the Ottawa Senators not named Pajot yeah. that ending UFA. Yeah, um, and the other thing, I wonder if they could get, maybe they could try to see if they can get someone to take off one of their bad contracts, like see if anyone would be interested in uh, trading Chris Russell, I don't know, <laughs> um, Yeah. I don't know, uh, that's Adam Larson maybe, see if someone could take on Adam Larson, um, but yeah, because of their cap situation, it's kind of tough for them to make any sort of um, improvements, um, which makes it tough to make trades during the deadline. Um, so that brings the question, um, unless you have any other players you think they could target. Uh, well, uh, Travis Yost of TSN uh, posed, um, hey, how about the Oilers trade for Mike Hoffman, which would be uh, an interesting move there. Yeah. Uh, but again, the question becomes, okay, which defenseman are you going to give up? Because that's what Florida is looking for. And like how are they they're looking, if that, they're looking though. for a young defenseman like Ethan Bear, Caleb Jones, Philip Broberg, Evan Bouchard, yeah. I'm true. I'm not even thinking twice of buying the Oilers. I'm I'm ending the trade conversations yeah. there. You need to keep the prospects. You need to keep developing them because that, that is your future. That is how yeah. you're going to win down the road. Honestly, outside of like you know, like low-risk, high-reward bargain-type trades like Kovalchuk, like Tyler Ennis. If I'm Edmonton, I'm just sticking with what I've got because no matter what you do at the deadline, you know, like what? how good are you if you make it to the playoffs? Like how legit of a cut threat are you? Right. Like a lot of pundits didn't even think you'd probably be in the playoff hunt right now. So. Yeah. Um, I, I think if, if I'm Ken Holland, if um, if the price gets too high, just stand pat and and just keep waiting. You know what? Actually, now I'm looking at the list of prospects that the Oilers have here. What they could do is they could, because Jesse Pugliarvi has been in uh, the Finnish League, Liga, mm -hmm. and he has a point per game there. I know they've been dangling him as trade bait for years. I don't know if he's had any serious offers or anything like that, but I wonder if a team will try to uh, take him off of the Oilers' hands or something because he definitely still has potential. I believe he's still, like, 21 years old. So I wonder if a team will uh, take him on um, and if, maybe if the Oilers get someone If they think he has a strong chance, Jeff. like if they think there's a strong chance that he'd be willing to play for that team in question, yeah. maybe it's worth making that gamble. And and I think you're you're on the right track. I, I wouldn't trade Evan Bouchard or Yamamoto, obviously, but every other prospect I think you would uh, trade for. Um, those are like the only two prospects I wouldn't trade. Um, but everyone else I think is fair game. So... Uh, Philip Broberg, uh, I think, uh, could uh, be had. Um, you know, obviously, the return has to be a lot bigger um, to make it worth it for the Oilers. But I could see that happening, maybe. 
Um, a long shot, I will, I will admit. Uh, but let's talk about their playoff chances. Um, recently, the Oilers have lost two straight. I mean, given one of them was a good team in the Bruins, the other one was against the uh, Minnesota Wild. So not that good of a team. So they may be slipping a bit. Um, they're currently second in the, the Pacific. Um, they have Vancouver on their heels and Calgary and Arizona on their heels as well. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like the wheels are going to come off if they don't get McDavid back real soon. Um, I am kind of worried about them because I know and Clefbaum's also been pretty good for them too. But I feel like if those two are out longer than um, another week, I think. Um, I think they may be out of the playoffs. Um, I know that Yamamoto has been really good and dry settles, of course, is amazing. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't, I think they really need McDavid and Clefbaum. I know it's like a hot take alert, but, um, I, I just don't see how the, like their depth seems to be so bad and they can't afford to make any moves because of their cap space situation. And, um, yeah, and I, I don't think they they can or will. Yeah, um, especially with that Pacific Division, like there's not much separating every team, just like you said. Um, right now, uh, they have 71 points. Vegas has 72. Uh, Vancouver with 70. Calgary and Arizona both have 68. And, you know, a lot could change even between now and next weekend in that race. Um, and, you know, you look at Vegas adding Martinez uh, to the mix, you yeah. know, that helps their defense. Uh, Vancouver getting to Foley, maybe that helps the Canucks, uh, which who, who we'll talk about uh, later on in this episode. So, again, that, that asks the argument, like, why would Edmonton, like, swing for the fences now? They have no reason to. Yeah, I, I mean, well, they haven't... I mean, a reason to do it is, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl should have some playoff experience. Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, when you have, like, the two best players in the league, you should uh, be able to make the playoffs. Uh, so, uh, I think there is something to that. But, yeah, I, I do hear what you're saying. Like the, the thing is, like, I've also heard from pundits on various um, sports news outlets that you know this trade deadline class isn't one of the strongest that we've seen you know if 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 you're gonna pick a time to really swing and hit for the fences maybe the timing's just not in 2020 maybe it's in a year or two or three where you make that big splash the last thing you want to do is is overpay for um a guy that you know is is just a depth addition whereas like you could really get a high quality talent uh, in a couple of years when it could be their time uh, and and they're up for for a, a trade. Yeah. So you actually, um, I, I I just don't think the timing's right for the Oilers to do something. That's so all. actually now because this I've been since I've been more Bruins focused lately. Sorry guys, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I've been hearing like the Bruins are interested in Kyle Palmieri. And all that stuff. And since the Bruins do have Andre Cache now, um, and Kyle Palmieri, you know, he costs, uh, he's making $4.6 million. I mean, that's going to be prorated by trade deadline. So 
Um, that's pretty cheap, actually. So maybe they could try to sell someone off and maybe the Devils could uh, get someone back for Kyle Palmieri. That could be an interesting move now that I think about it. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go to the St. Louis Blues here. There's only one injury here uh, for them, uh, which is Jay Baumeister, but it was probably the scariest injury because uh, yep. he had a heart attack on the bench. It was very reminiscent of uh, Rich Peverly on the Dallas Stars a couple of years ago where he collapsed, uh, but J and Jay Baumeister basically did the same thing. Um, he's out indefinitely here. It says that it's not official yet, but I would imagine this is a career-ending decision for him. Good for him, honestly, because um, you know they—he uh, finally won the cup after years and years of never making the playoffs. I think he has like the record for uh, longest to reach the playoffs, um, and Baumeister, you know, won it um, last year. So good for him. Um, but uh, and St. Louis uh, did just trade uh, to Montreal and got uh, Marco Scandella. Um, the trade here was um, uh, a second, a twenty twenty second round pick, and a twenty twenty one conditional fourth round pick. The condition is that Montreal will receive the twenty twenty one fourth round pick if St. Louis resigns Scandella before October seventh. Or if St. Louis wins two playoff rounds and he plays in at least half of the games, um, yeah, I think St. Louis isn't uh, like compared to the other teams, they're not in desperate need for anything. Um, Baumeister is a very good defenseman, uh, shutdown defenseman, but it seems like they got their guy um, in Scandella. I'm not sure if they make any more moves for that, um, and they're pretty much in the playoffs. So um, yeah. But um, unless you have more, um, I might just move to the, other, the next team. Well, um, just just taking a look at uh, what Jay Bomister provides. Of course, he provides leadership, a lot of experience. Uh, he played over 700 straight games, which I think is, is the most shocking part. You know, you have a guy that's basically going on this Ironman streak and you know, just going into a regular ordinary game and he collapses on the bench and that could be how his career ends, which is sad in that regard. Uh, not so sad as that he won the Cup with the Blues last year, but I'm sure every hockey player, if they have the choice, they don't want their career to end oh, like course, possibly yeah. it did for Jay Bomister, and that's the sad part. But um, at, at least he's alive and he can sort of walk away from this and you know, still spend some time with his family, which is good. So uh, best wishes to him, of course. Uh, that being said, Scandella fills some of the void, hopefully, but not all of it. Uh, we're talking about a guy that's top three in time on ice per game on their team, uh, plays a lot of shorthanded minutes, uh, blocks a fair amount of shots as well. Um, so definitely one of those depth defenders that, makes the blues a lot better so it'll be interesting to see uh, what scandela can do there um in terms of what st louis does at the trade deadline um they're a top 10 team already however since the end of the all-star break they've kind of looked human um they are a uh, five six and something um they the, the goaltending hasn't really been that good. They've given up uh, 39 goals 
in a stretch of 13 games. That's in the NHL's bottom 10. Despite having a top 10 offense in that same stretch, they scored 37 goals. Um, maybe that speaks to a bit of goaltending, but I also think team defense uh, needs to wear on that blame. I do think um, they'll get things back on track. They'll be much better going into the playoffs. Yeah. And you take a look at a lot of the depth players that have stepped up. Zach Sanford, in particular, since the All-Star break, yeah. has nine goals yeah. and three assists over the last 12 games to go along with 21 shots. That's a shooting percentage over 30%. So if they continue that kind of depth scoring, St. Louis Blues possibly win the Central and put themselves in a good position moving forward. So, yeah, I... I Regardless of what they do at the deadline, I think uh, they're going to the playoffs and they're going to look pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They do, they do have a slide here. And shout out Jake Allen. Um, he has, yep. uh, he's 9, 6, and 3. And actually, it's outplaying Jordan Bennington here. Uh, he has a yep. GAA of 2.29, a save percentage of 9.23. Of course, Jake Allen's played less games than Bennington. Um, but. Uh, maybe there is some fatigue in the way. And it's not like Bennington's been terrible either, but he has a 9-11 save percentage and a 2.6 GAA. Um, so that's still decent, um, but maybe not as good as he was last year. Um, so, uh, But Jake Allen's been able to, like it seems to be more of a tandem stuff this year as opposed to last year when it was Bennington in net the entire time. So uh, good yeah. for... Good for Jake Allen to bounce back from what he, he might have uh, never been playing a, another NHL game again um, if he wasn't good this year. So good, good for yeah, him. Yeah, cer certainly not for the Blues. You would think his time yeah. would almost be yeah, up at that point. That's a good point. point. But yeah. uh, I, I, I think part of Bennington's struggles, I think, go back to a bit of fatigue because they wrote yeah. him a lot last year. And they barely went to Jake Allen, unless it was like for the odd start and a back-to-back. -back. But yeah. the fact that Jake Allen is playing this well definitely gives them confidence because if Jordan Biddington has a bad night, they feel confident that they can go to Jake Allen and still win a hockey game. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to Vancouver here. Uh, so this is a, this is another team that made a big trade. Um, however, I feel like Vancouver is going to make another trade because uh, they're not necessarily done and out of it uh, Brock Besser uh, has broken ribs um, it looks like it it's worse than it seemed um, and they went and that's a big reason why they went out and got Tyler Toffoli um, but it looks like he's going to be out eight weeks officially out indefinitely but uh, it looks like it's gonna be eight weeks so that would take them roughly around like the second round of the playoffs I would guess if they can make it that far um, and Michael Furland um, he has suffered a concussion uh, I think this is his third concussion in three years uh, so that's that's pretty bad um, hopefully he uh, he'll be able to play again but it looks like he's out for the year because uh, they want to be careful with him. Um, so just from the grand scheme of things, Vancouver doesn't have a ton of cap space. Um, but they did go out and trade uh, for Tyler Toffoli. Um, in fact, they kind of quote-unquote overpaid for him. Um, it was Tim Schaller. That's not the overpayment. Uh, a 2020 <laughs> second round pick. 
a 2022 conditional fourth round pick, which I'll explain in a bit, and Tyler Madden. Um, so Tyler Madden's um, he plays for Northeastern. I've watched him play a couple times. I I go to a couple of Northeastern games um, every year. Um, he he's going to be pretty good. Uh, he had 37 points in 27 games for Northeastern. He's he's going to be a pretty good uh, player. I feel like. Um, but uh, I was reading somewhere that because of the Furland and Besser injury, they uh, they felt like they had to overpay and get Tyler Toffoli um, in the mix, um, which is you know um, which is something that I was <laughs> I was hoping Vancouver I was hoping the Bruins would go and get Tyler Toffoli, um, but um, it looks like that did not happen. Um, so, um, let's see here. I guess before we talk about what players the Canucks are going to try to get, uh, what are your thoughts on the trade and the Besser and Ferland injury? Uh, well, if you take a look at Brock Besser, um, over 230 minutes of power play time, he leads the Canucks in shots on goal overall with 166. Um, along with Peterson, he tallied 56 shots on the power play. Uh, one of the most lethal releases on that team as well. Um, that type of pure skill isn't easy to replace. So if they're looking to kind of fill that void a bit on the right side, I guess to fully uh, kind of brings a little bit of the offense that they're going to be missing when uh, Brock Besser is not in the lineup. And when Brock Besser does come back, they're top six, they're top nine. It's It's going to look pretty decent, I must say. Um, the Furland thing definitely concerns me. Uh, three of the past four games that he has played, including the latest in AHL Utica, he's not been able to finish the game. Definitely a concern. Um, and to fully like that trade would have been great if Tyler Madden wasn't involved. Um, I, I heard there might there might be a bit of doubt as to whether or not he was going to sign with the Canucks. Uh, he says his intent was to sign with the Canucks. I would hope that there's a very legit reason why they would part ways with Tyler Madden, because I think you're right, Brett, he is going to be one heck of a hockey player someday. And the Kings have low key been able to get rid of some cap and a veteran player and get a young forward with potential yep. in notable trades in the past two years they got it uh in the jake muzzin trade with toronto last year they got carl grunstrom from the marlies um in another trade with toronto the jack campbell kyle clifford deal they got trevor moore uh from uh, the toronto marlies and this time they get tyler madden uh from vancouver's uh system in uh the tyler to trade um so low-key Los Angeles down the middle looks pretty good for the future, and the next couple of years will be interesting to see how they look uh, in the face-off dot. Um, I I think this is going to be a trade, especially if Toffoli doesn't resign with the Canucks. It's not going to look for Jim Benning if uh, Tyler Madden turns out to be the player we all expected him to be. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um I've I've also kind of questioned the timing. If I'm Vancouver, why make this trade? Like, 
you're not one piece away from winning the cup. It's almost like you're trying to get this one piece to make the playoffs. Right. What happens once you make the playoffs? You're probably gone after the first round anyways. Yeah. Because you're probably going to get a pretty tough opponent right out of the gate. So, uh, again, the timing of this trade, I I hate to say it was forced, but it, it very well might have been. Like, I don't get why they would make this trade now when they're still kind of relying on their youth um, yeah. to develop and the team as a whole to develop as well. Maybe if it was next year's trade deadline, I'd understand it, but I don't know if they be if they're ready to take that next step just yet, especially if you're not sure what when Besser is going to come back. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they are still a very young team, and this is seems like a very win now move, even though it's like they're not they're gonna be contenders for a long while. Like their window is wide open. Um, however, you know, I I do think like the the Canucks do have a lot of good players in their prospect pool. Um, Jet Wu, Cole Lind, um, Brogan Rafferty, who's been pretty good. They have also really cool names like Jack Rathbone. That's the coolest name. But they're all like Niles Hoglander is another one. Zach Hoglander, Hoglander's done yeah. some nasty stuff in Europe that this too. year. Yeah, that so kid's got talent. But like, and not to mention they have uh, Pedersen or Peterson, uh, Quinn Hughes. Bo yep. Horvat, all in the mix um, in, on the pro roster who are, you know, they look like they're veterans out there on the ice, even though they've and, been and in the league And JT Miller's a who's having a breakout season. And JT Miller's, yeah, so, um, and Tyler, Fo- Tyler Toffoli is a pretty underrated player. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think that he could help with their top six stuff. So I think this does help Vancouver for their uh, playoff push um however um when I, again i'm just like edmonton i looked at their lines here uh so they have Pedersen, miller and Tafoli on a line together that looks good then you have bo horvat with tanner pearson and louis erickson so <laughs> um so i think they're gonna have to try and get um another right winger um, and like I mentioned, they have a fair amount of prospects uh, that they could trade, um, like maybe like even Jet Wu or Brogan Rafferty, um, because their defense is pretty young too, but I'm sure there'll be a team that will get there um, and stuff like that. Um, Mike Hoffman would be interesting uh, for them. Yeah. Um, even like Dadanoff maybe. Um, could be an interesting move there but it might you know if they traded Tyler Madden I'm not sure if they're willing to make another big move as well um and and maybe Kyle, Kyle Palmieri that could be another safe option for them as well or like an Illy Kolbachuk um that could be interesting too yeah those are definitely moves to keep an eye on and again their cap space uh, depends on a fair bit of that. Um, I will also mention a rumor that has been floated and TSN has actually talked about as well. Um, Tyson Berry to Vancouver. Apparently, mm-hmm. the Canucks have 
called uh, the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Leafs have been getting some calls inquiring about Tyson Berry's services. Interesting. Uh, yeah. From from what I hear, um, maybe the return involves Troy Stetcher. Okay. Uh, taking a look at his stats, they don't blow you away this year, but I, I think it could be a, a decent defender for whoever he goes to. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if Tyson Berry from British Columbia ends up uh, finding his way uh, to British Columbia and the Vancouver Canucks on Monday. Yeah. So it's something to watch out for there. Well, the thing that, well, first off, Toronto is also going to try to make the playoffs, and we'll talk about them in a bit. Right, yeah. Um, so that, that would be kind of weird. Um, and also, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, Tyson Berry may not be great defensively. Um, mm -hmm. He seems to be one-dimensional. Um, but I don't know, maybe that's something they could use. Um, that would be interesting, I guess. Wait, are they saying it would like, be, it would be interesting, yeah. but it would also be probably a rental. Cause I highly doubt the Canucks oh, can afford course. to keep him after this year. Well, Toronto can't afford either, but, um, exactly. uh, why would Toronto get back Troy Stetcher? That, that that's not an equivalent. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, it. It, it, it's kind of tough, like, who they would ask um, back from the Canucks. Maybe they would um, ask for one of their defensive prospects to, in return um, because, you know, both both the Canucks and the Leafs have their own cap problems. Right. Um, uh, but from what I hear, if Barry gets dealt, Toronto has made it clear they need a defenseman to round out their blue line before Monday's deadline. So a defenseman of some sorts, no matter how they get it, would probably be going Toronto's way if they dealt Tyson Berry. Got it. As to what defenseman that remains to be seen. Well, we'll talk about Toronto in a second. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, okay, that could be kind of interesting. I didn't hear that rumor. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk, before we talk about Toronto, oh, first off, uh, Vancouver, are they going to make the playoffs? Again, like I said, the Pacific Division is a toss-up. Uh, it's heads or tails right now. Uh, Canucks could finish in the top three. They could yeah. sell for a wild card spot, or they could miss the playoffs altogether. Um, I think they have to, as cliche as it sounds, they need to take care of business against the division. Um, if they're like below 500 against divisional opponents the rest of the way, I don't think that's good enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think they are good. Um, like, you know, they are a good team. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Maybe they're one more year away from uh, being in win now mode. Um, but it would be cool to see Pedersen and Quinn Hughes in the playoffs. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that would be fun. Um, all right, let's go to uh, this team here, Columbus. Um, <laughs> so they have three major injuries, and they all injured their ankle, which is pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So we have here that Seth Jones, uh, he's had an ankle injury. He's out for the season or eight to ten weeks. Um, then we have here Cam Atkinson, who also injured his ankle, as I mentioned. Um, he's week to week. Um, and then you have Oliver Borkstrand, who is their leading goals, uh, point getter. Um, and he has an ankle injury as well, and he's out for the season, like Seth Jones, um, eight to ten weeks. So even, I think, if I'm doing my math right, I think even if they made the playoffs, um, they wouldn't have Seth Jones or Borkstrand in the first round or something like that. 
um, if that's right. Um, but I mean, the good news is that the, uh, oh no, it's not good news. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's still pretty good news. I, <laughs> I thought I was misreading it here, but the, the blue jackets do have a lot of cap space, um, and stuff like that. But given what happened last year where they, you know, they traded for a lot of rentals and, uh, didn't go so far into it, um, like they were supposed to, I'm not sure if they make any big moves. Um, but, uh, it doesn't hurt to ask, um, I guess. So Steve, uh, what are your thoughts on these injuries and what do you think the blue jackets will do? I think in terms of the blue jackets, the only way they improve their team is through free agency, because it's one thing to afford players. It's another to come up with draft picks and, uh, they pretty much wasted all of them yep. on, uh, last year's playoff run, which ended in the second round. And, uh, basically, you know, Everyone knows what happened in the offseason. They lost Duchesne, they lost Panarin, they lost to Zingle, which is eh, but still they lost to Zingle. Um, so they lost a good chunk of their offense there. A lot of people didn't really expect Columbus to be a threat. They have a bottom 10 power play, bottom 10 offense, but their penalty kill is good. Um, their shots against per game is the fourth lowest in the entire NHL, and they actually average more shots per game than the Boston Bruins, oddly enough. Uh, Columbus is ninth. Boston is 10th in that regard. And again, no Panera, no Duchesne, no Dezingle through all of this. So John Tortorella has been able to get him to play the right way. And I think it was going to be like this, even if they had players healthy and at full strength. This was going to be a grind um, nothing was going to be just handed to them. They would have to grind for every single point, every single win. And Seth Jones was a big part of that. Um, you look at his ice time, he's, uh, he leads the team in time on ice per game with uh, 25 minutes and 17 seconds. Also in the league's top 10s, the sixth highest average, as a matter of fact. Um, he's played over 140 minutes on the power play, over 135 minutes on the penalty kill. Um, he does so many things for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He provides a lot of stability. And you can't really find a guy that fills everything that he does. Um, he's that important to their team. Um, as far as Oliver Bjorkstrand goes, he would probably be the Seth Jones of the Blue Jackets forwards right now. Um, from December 16th to February 20th, he had 14 goals on 55 shots to go along with six helpers. That's a shooting percentage over 25. That's a span of 17 games. He has 14 goals in 17 games, so he's on such a roll, um, really finding his groove offensively. Then he gets hurt, and now he's out for the same amount of time as Seth Jones. And as a matter of fact, his injury is similar to the one that Seth Jones suffered. So that's even worse for Columbus. It'll be interesting to see how long until he's back in the lineup, but uh, he is having, in his own right, a pretty good season. And let's not forget about Cam Atkinson, who had a 40-goal season last year. He had 41 goals with the, the Blue Jackets in 2016-17. He um, had 35 goals that year. Definitely not producing like he was last year and a couple of years before that, but still definitely a player that the Columbus Blue Jackets need to be healthy and 
need to contribute offensively. So he's just as big of a loss as Bjorkstrand is too. Um, I, I think the loss of Seth Jones in particular is tough when you look at how the Blue Jackets um, have performed as a team. They're 0-2-3 in their past five games since uh, Seth Jones got hurt. Um, and a lot of teams in the Metro Division have been able to gain ground on Columbus, even the Rangers, who are supposed to be rebuilding. Like, this is how insane the Metro Division is. Columbus, heading into Saturday's action, 10th overall out of 31 teams in the NHL. That's good for fifth in the Metro and the final wildcard spot in the East. That just goes to show you how tough it's going to be to make the playoffs in the East and get a top three spot in the Metro Division because the competition is that good. And they're on a bit of a slide. Elvis Merz Lincolns is looking human, which is not good. Um, they need to find a way to get out of this. And they're not going to have any reinforcements coming their way. Um, they can't afford to lose any of their prospects just for a short-term fix. Right, yeah. I think they're in trouble now. Um, especially with uh, Seth Jones out long term, um, and Borgstrand. Um, I am a correction here. Uh, actually, uh, 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 Pierre Luc Dubois is the leading point getter um, for the Blue Jackets this year, but uh, Borgstrand um, is the second guy. Um, oh no, sorry, third guy. Um, on. Uh, uh, in terms of points for the Blue Jackets and Gustav Nyquist. But I, I do second. believe Bjorkstrand leads the team in goals, though. That is true, yes. Um, Bjorkstrand does. Um, but, yeah, yeah it's... Uh, I, I feel like they are going to just miss the playoffs. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it is good uh, that they... Um, you know, it looks like Elvis Merzilkins is going to be a legitimate starter for years to come. Um, so that's good news. Um, and and Gustav Nyquist actually played pretty well um, for them in the past. So I think there is um, something to that. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going this, to make the playoffs. Is, um, yeah, I. this yeah. is one of those seasons where I think it's a good time to find out what they have and what they can build on. Yeah. Um, cause they don't have an easy schedule ahead. That's really going to test the resolve. And that's ultimately what John Tortorella wants to see. That's what Yarmo Kekalane and the GM wants to see. You've got teams like Tampa, Pittsburgh, Washington, Carolina, Boston, Toronto teams in the West, uh, jousting for playoff positions of their own rights. Um, it's going to be a tough next month and a bit for Columbus just to make the playoffs. For so sure. um, it, it'll really test the resolve, not just facing these injuries, but dealing with these injuries and going up against some high-level competition in the process. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think because of what happened last year with their trade deadline um, and they went and got all these rentals and stuff, I don't think they're going to go crazy again during the trade deadline. Um, so... Yeah, I think they are um, not going to do too much. But I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they make a couple of moves because uh, they are technically in the playoffs hunt 
but I don't know if they'll make like as they definitely won't make as big of a noise as they did last year. Um, yeah, I think I think in terms of what moves they could make, it'll be a lot similar to the Edmonton Oilers. Right. Maybe they check in on Kovalchuk or Tyler Ennis or uh, Ron Hainsey. If yep. they need a veteran presence to stabilize the back end, I think Hainsey could do a decent job for them. Um, the key thing to note, they don't have a second-round pick this year. They don't have a third-round pick. They do have their first. It would be a mistake to trade their first because after that, they don't pick until round four. And I think to miss out on a very talented first round in this year's draft would be a massive mistake for Yarmo Kekalainen. So um, I think the dumbest thing for him to do would be to trade away that this year's first rounder. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's go to Toronto, which is going to be our last team we're going to talk about. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Morgan Riley, who actually injured was injured on January 13th, so a month from uh, a month and a week uh, from last time. Um, it's a foot injury. He's out indefinitely. Um, I would uh, it says here that um, yeah, he's out indefinitely. Maybe he'll come back pretty soon. We'll see. But um, yeah, so he's out. Um, Andreas Janssen is also out. He recently had knee surgery. Um, so he's out six months. So even if the Maple Leafs do make the playoffs, they're going to be, um, you know, they're they're not going to have Andreas Janssen. Um, e- even if God forbid they win the Stanley Cup, they won't have Andreas Janssen on skates. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, keyword on skates. Um, <laughs> but the, the weird thing about I, I feel like so I'm not in Toronto, but I've been hearing that. Uh, all these Leaf fans are going crazy um, because they think that Dubas should lose his job um, and all that stuff because they have taken a bit of a slide recently. Um, I believe, I'm just looking at their schedule, they uh, they beat Pittsburgh, but then they lost to Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Then they beat Ottawa, but they lost to Dallas. Then they beat Arizona. Then they lost to Montreal. Um, they beat Anaheim, and then they lost to the Rangers and the Panthers. So it seems like they've, you know, they've just been Jekyll and Hyde um, all this time. Um, Frederick Anderson has also been on the IR every now and then. But then they went and got Jack Campbell, um, and he's been good. Um, But it seems like it's Frederick Anderson, so maybe he's dealing with fatigue, which has always been an issue. But at least they got a backup that they can uh, rely on and trust. Um, We'll see. Um, so yeah, what do you think Toronto is going to do? I know they have a similar situation to the Oilers in that they, you know, they're just at the cap, so they can't even do much, but, um, yeah. So, so what do you think of these injuries and what do you think they're going to do? So, uh, regarding Andreas Janssen, um, it's a tough pill to swallow for their depth considering what he's been able to do. Um, I realized that eight goals and 21 points in 43 games is, you know, decent, but not lights out. But on 14 power play shots, he scored on four of them. Didn't even hit 100 power play minutes this year, not even averaging 16 minutes per game. Considering the ice time that he's gotten, he's been able to cause a fair amount of chaos, which is good for Toronto and unfortunate that he's gone for as long as he's out for. Uh, 
Should be noted when Morgan Riley was out there playing and not hurt, uh, the Leafs defensively still had their flaws. Morgan Riley still had his flaws. Um, that being said, I think they are a better team with Morgan Riley in the lineup, and I'm sure Leafs Nation can't wait for him to return to the lineup. He's been out five to six weeks already. Uh, the initial timeline was, I think, eight weeks. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, he'll be back. Um, also, Cody Cece has an ankle issue. He's going to be out a while. Uh, Mikheyev, wrist issue. He's out indefinitely. So they also have uh, more um, holes to fill in terms of depth. But uh, the good news is they do have Rasmus Sandin, um, who has shown some bright spots. That's good news for Toronto. Uh, Zach Hyman, I don't know if you've heard about Zach Hyman, but he has quietly put together a very good season. Um, a guy that is always working hard, probably their most consistent forward all season. Um, I think he's, if he hasn't hit 20 goals, he's certainly close to it. Um, it it's it's good that they have Zach Hyman. That's definitely going to help yeah. kind of fill the void uh, that Andreas Janssen leaves behind. Um, in terms of maybe what they do at the deadline, kind of tough to tell. I mentioned the Tyson Berry stuff. Um, I think the most important thing is signing Jake Muzzin to a new contract. And I realize Jake Muzzin alone isn't the answer to the least shut down defensive question marks, but he is one of the few guys, if not the only guy that can play shut down defense and do it rather decently. So you better not let him walk away. So I think the top priority for Dubas is to get him signed don't have to worry about that for the offseason. You got some term and you can go from there. Um, and I think the most important thing for the team is just to figure things out. They haven't figured things out yet. Um, their will to win, I think, has been questioned, and rightfully so. They have all the talent in the world to play with the best teams in this league. But the will's got to be there. The drive's got to be there. And I don't know if they have enough of it to get it done. They certainly haven't shown it. And until they do, um, Maple Leafs fans should have reason to worry because we expected a lot from this team. And for whatever reason, they haven't been able to play to expectations, even with, even with Sheldon Keith behind the bench. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think there is, uh, yeah, there is some reason to worry. I mean, there was a lot of glaring holes even when they were on this hot streak. Um, so, so there is some reason to worry. However, I'm not sure if that's like uh, so much like the Toronto media, like uh, throwing this narrative, or if they're actually that bad. Um, and I. You know, because they're still, you know, they're still in the playoffs. Um, and all they, I mean, obviously the Bruins and the Lightning are in their division and they're the best teams in the league right now. Um, so the, so even when they do make the playoffs, um, they're going to have some trouble there. But that does bring me to my point. The next, like they, they're really just fighting with Florida for um, that third uh, spot in the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. So, so they, 
I feel like they could beat out Florida. Um, it looks like the two wild card spots are going to the Metropolitan teams mm-hmm. as well. Although I guess Toronto and Florida are close um, in that regard, but it looks like it's going to be the Islanders and the Blue Jackets and Carolina fighting for that. Um, but yeah, I think the uh, so like the thing that's like weird with the Leafs is they get the most attention in the team. So all their weaknesses are like put on blast. Whereas like a team like Arizona, their weaknesses aren't really (laughs) like, I don't even know what their weaknesses are. I guess I do, but like, you know, a casual fan doesn't know. Um, but like, so, so like, I'm not sure how much, um, stake we should put into like if like these players should try harder and if they try harder then they're gonna not make you know then they're gonna make the playoffs and be a force to be reckoned with in in the playoffs but um something like that but um yeah it's uh, i think there is some reason to be concerned but the other news is like andreas jansen um is like a death player for them i mean of course losing Morgan Riley hurts because he is their best defenseman, but they've still been able to win a couple of games even uh, without their best defenseman in the lineup. So that's pretty good. Um, I think once they get Riley back, I feel like then they'll be a good team. So now they just have to keep pace with Florida, which is something I think they can do. Yeah, especially if uh, Florida also gets... Jekyll and Hyde play because they're a lot True. similar to Toronto. They can a good point. hang with the best of them offensively, but defensively between the pipes, they're just about as Jekyll and Hyde as the Toronto Maple Leafs. So yeah, that's a good um, point. It, and it, it's a battle of consistency, and whoever wins that battle, I think, is ultimately going to get uh, the third spot in the Atlantic and what probably will be the final playoff spot in the East. So right. Uh, I think it, you're right when you say Florida is their only competition because it's literally the only competition they could probably catch. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I mean, they could – I mean, they're playing Carolina right now. They could grab the uh, wild card spot in worst-case scenario. So even if they are fighting for a wild card spot, I feel like they will be able to do that. And hell, maybe they'll be able to play Washington – which would be a lot better than uh, facing off Tampa or Boston in the first round. Um, yeah. So, uh, so maybe that would be better for them if they end up just getting the wild card spot, um, just matchup wise. Um, okay, so um, yeah, I and I guess I don't see them making too many trades other than I mean I guess we we have already said like Ilya Kovalchuk. I think Palmieri could be interesting because they could get him for cheap um, as well. But I think all the guys that we mentioned before could be guys that they could pursue. But Maple Leafs have about the same um, cap situation as the Oilers do. So um, I don't think they're, they could afford to like go out and get a Chris Kreider. Um, Kreider. Um, yeah, it, it's so, it's yeah. funny that you actually mentioned death trades because they actually did make one. Oh, right, although right. it was it was a bit of a minor trade. Uh, they traded Mason Marchman to those aforementioned Florida Panthers in exchange for Denny Malgin, who 
according to multiple sources and his agent wanted out of Florida. He denies that, but um, I think his agent wouldn't be lying to the media. So um, I think he would welcome a change of scenery. It should be noted that Denny Malgan played alongside Austin Matthews in Switzerland during Matthews draft year. Um, so he has, I guess, a bit of chemistry with Matthews, or at least he knows him a little bit. Uh, currently on daily faceoff, Denny Malgan is slotted on the second line as a right wing option with Tavares taking faceoffs and William Nylander playing left wing. So it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized in the lineup in the weeks ahead. So uh, speaking of the Leafs and injuries, this is very fitting uh, because they're playing the uh, Carolina Hurricanes right now. Uh -huh. and here, according to uh, Elliot Friedman, Tyson Berry just got uh, hit by Andrei Svechnikov, um, and it looks like he had to leave the ice. So we, obviously we don't know any more details than that. Maybe he is playing now, but I just saw from Elliot Friedman that uh, he left the ice. Um, so they, they might not have Tyson Berry. Um, While we're talking about trades, yeah. do you mind checking Twitter? Check uh, Bruce Garriock of the Ottawa Sun. Because if I uh, if I remember the day before the trade deadline, Ottawa was playing Calgary, and I was at that game. They lost two to one. They scratched Cody Cece, Mikhail Bodker, and Mark Stone in that game. And Mark Stone, of course, the next day got traded to the Vegas Golden Knights. Can you confirm? Because I'm sure there's one. Can you confirm? How many players were scratched from the Sens lineup against Montreal tonight? Um, let's see here. Says here I that, heard Nemes I heard Nemesnikov is not playing tonight. Uh, so according to Gary Ock, this is like a Bruin Sen segment here. Um, yeah, a mini one, yeah. <laughs> uh, John Gabriel Peugeot is playing. Wow. Um, I thought for sure he wouldn't. Yeah, I read reports that there is interest, like the Senators might uh, sign him. Uh, Tyler Ennis and Nemistikov will sit tonight. There's interest in both mm. players. Yeah, um, I, so I, would like, I would like Ottawa to keep Tyler Ennis. I think he'd be nice to keep around for another year. But definitely when all the big pieces are gone, I think a lot of teams are going to look at Tyler Ennis and... Um, the Sens won't get a first-round pick for him, that's for sure. Yep. But um, I definitely think they would get offers on Tyler Ennis uh, once the big pieces fall. So, like, closer to the deadline when people are scrambling for a plan C or a plan D, um, Tyler Ennis will probably get a lot of calls. Same with Nemesnikov. So, I am surprised, though, that Pajot is playing tonight. I thought for sure he'd be scratched. Oh, actually, here. Uh, so, the Maple Leafs did make a trade, um, oh! a minor one. But, oh, okay. <laughs> sorry, didn't mean to bring you out there. I thought they traded. I thought they traded Tyson Berry, and that's why he left. Oh no 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 no. Um, but Mika Salamaki uh, from the Predators, Toronto gets, um, and Nashville Predators get Ben Harper. So huh. so minor league trade here. Um, mm, okay. And I guess if we're doing a Bruins seg segment, because we haven't done that yet. Um, I will give my opinion on the Andre Cache trade. Um, yep. Glad they uh, glad they got rid of uh, 
David Backus, of course, he was a big yeah, team that's, guy. Yeah, that's the biggest win yeah. of them all, is they get yeah. cap space to potentially re-sign Tory Crew. For sure. Like, Sweeney hit this out of the park, for sure. Of course, like, uh, 25% is retained, which is fine, as long as we're not paying full salary for him. It's, yeah. it's enough for that. Um, especially since we have, like, Tory Krug to sign in the summer. Um, so that's huge for us just for cap space reasons. Um, so, yeah, that was good. And I think uh, Andre Cache could be pretty good for us um, if he's healthy because we've been looking for that right winger for David uh, Krejci and Jake DeBrusque uh, for a long time now. Um, and I think Cache could be the guy. Um, he has like 95 points in 195 games or something like that. I was looking there at career games. Um, so uh, he is pretty good. And apparently he's also like uh, very good defensively, according to a couple of Twitter people I've said um, I've seen. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, it does hurt losing Axel Anderson. Um, I remember when they drafted him, he was like he was kind of like this diamond in the rough that they found in the third round but of course we can afford to lose him um and uh and they give up a 20 20 first round pick um and yeah i, I don't think that's bad because that's gonna it's likely gonna be in the late 20s um yep. assuming we we get out of the first round i guess <laughs> i should knock on wood here yeah just um, don't get swept out of the first yeah, round i was about to say i don't want that to happen so um <laughs> So that's that's the only bad thing, but um, I'm fine with uh, what they gave up, especially David Backus, and I think Andre Cache um, will be good. Uh, the only thing I will say is I hope the Bruins don't make another move um, in the trade deadline, or, or at least a big move, like trading to get Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, that's the only one I don't want. <laughs> um, or Chris Kreider. I don't want Chris Kreider or Kovalchuk. Um, I feel like, well, first off, Kovalchuk is a Canadian, so I feel like the Canadians are going to try to get their money's worth um, for for them for uh, for him, especially against the Bruins. Um, and um, Chris Kreider kind of reminds me a bit of what. Um, like he plays very similar to Rick Nash or uh, David Backus um, when they were in their prime. So that's something that I kind of want to avoid. And I have a feeling he's going to garner a lot more than what Toffoli got and what Blake Coleman got. And so I, I don't want to touch anything near what uh, Chris Kreider got. Um, we'll get. Um, and also I've been I just been saying all along. Just as long as they don't trade Jack Sonica, I'm okay. Um, I'm fine if they trade Danton Heinen or Carlson Kuhlman. I feel like they'll be able to excel if they get more ice time on another team. Um, but as long as they don't trade any of their core players or Jack Sonica, I'm, I'm fine with that. But um, so now I'm um, so I'm glad that they got Andre Cache. It seems like he's going to be pretty good if he can stay healthy. That's my only thing. Uh, but even if he's not, I don't, I don't think it, it was a risk worth taking just on getting rid of David Backus's contract um, alone. So um, I'm happy with that. So that concludes our um, episode 
today. It's a little bit longer than uh, it usually is, but that's okay. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of to be expected because it's trade deadline day um, on Monday when you'll hear this. So happy trade deadline day, everyone. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Um, our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast, uh, where we'll update you on all the trades that have happened um, so far. Um, yeah, I'm Red Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 208, where we break down all the trades in our trade deadline recap on the Lace Them Up Podcast. <laughs>